I were the best pickpocket in London once. Weren't a silk kerchief or a wallet that was safe when I was on the street. I had a pretty face, see. I'd smile and all the gentlemen would smile back and then I'd ask him for an hug and not a one ever said no. And aside from my pretty face, I was well developed for my age. I suspect they'd have let me put my hand in their pocket if I'd asked. Probably give me a couple of bob if I'd moved it around a bit. It might surprise you, but I remember that time as being happy. Streets full of noises and, and gentlemen with pop bellies pressing against the buttons of their vests. And the pickings were easy. And after an hard day of thieving, Fagin would have a, a feed of mutton and spuds and bread waiting for all of us. And because I was his favourite, I got the first slice. Ooh, thick and fatty, smothered with onion. Ooh, yum, 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 yum. You eat up, girl. You're the author of the feast. It's your work that's feeding us all here tonight. But then I grew up. A girl at 16 ain't as innocent as she once was. A gentleman won't let you hug him on the street. And if you take them down the alley, they're all over you so quick, you don't even get a chance to pick their pockets. I mean, their trousers are half off before you can make a grab for the purse. And some of the girls, they had a fella hiding in the shadders who'd step out and encourage the gentleman to make a proper payment. A generous donation to the working class is how they'd frame it. But that brought the peelers in and things got tough for everyone. I mean, you, you couldn't even smile on the street without a bobby moving you on. Anyway, I wasn't one for that sort of thing, even if it did bring in a few bob. And most of these gentlemen were no gentlemen, if you know what I mean. They might be full of pleases and thank yous at home and happy for their angels of the house to close their eyes and um some in while they finish their business. On the streets, they wanted it all. The moans and the groans and the old gourds. And they, they, they'd bite like animals and, and squeeze your neck until you could hardly breathe. And afterwards, they might shove a shilling in your hand and then walk away without a word. Uh, you was nothing to them. Nah, those trips down the alley weren't for me. So when I turned 16, me best days were behind me and Fagin sold me to Jack, the publican. I'm not a rich man, girl. I can't feed them that ain't bringing in any income. Old Fagin always had a way of saying things that made it sound like it were your fault and you should be saying sorry. Anyway, I figure it could have been worse. It turned out that Jack wasn't such a bad fella. All he wanted was pretty girls to bring the customers in and keep filling up the jugs. He never hit no one, so long as she was doing the job proper. And he didn't take a cut of anything the girls made on the side. All in all, he's a good master compared to most. Though, truth be told, he ain't one for interfering. He's the runt of the litter and that makes him cowardly. If any one of us had trouble, he disappears out the back and waits until it settles itself down. <laughs> trouble? Oh, God, there's plenty of that here. I mean, it ain't like the girls are even that choosy. But we all have our limits. Aside from that, most of the others still have dreams, like being married with a barrel full of brats running about. 
Or at the very least, working in a good house. You know, dusting and emptying chamber pots for some posh types. So, every now and then, the answer is no. But it turns out that some of the patrons don't take kindly to rejection. They'll come after you and cause damage if you ain't quick enough round the tables and out the door. I remember this big type. A butcher he was from the shambles. Tried to choke the life out of me once. I'd spooned his offer of a panda sausages for a tumble out the back. So he pins me against the wall and me little feet is dangling in the air and I tried kicking him in the balls but me legs were just too short and he just squeezed me throat harder. With the rest of them in the place, they were laughing their heads off at the spectacle. Right entertainment, they thought it was, because they was too drunk to see the bastard was really killing me. So I gave up any hope of rescue and started making me peace with the Almighty. When I heard this voice, Let her go, it said. And then the butcher, he just grunted and let me fall to the ground. I looked up and blowed if I didn't see a knife sticking out of his belly. You stuck me, Bill, he said. I'm done for. You're not dying, the voice came back. I didn't eat nothing important. With a butcher, he grunted again and staggered off, clearing the way for me to see my saviour. And smiling at me he was... I always notice the man's smile. It tells you something about him, and this one was full of teeth. <sighs> A sweet smile, it seemed to me. Well, still smiling, he picks me up and pours me a drink from his jug, and he says, Pity you didn't take the sausages, girl. We could have had them for our supper. Oh, well, I laughed. How I laughed. And no one bothered me after that. If some stranger came in and forgot his manners, he'd be pulled aside right quick and told, that's Bill Sykes's woman. And that was enough to send them scampering out in the street. So, you see, I'm a lucky woman. Luckier than most. He looks after me, does my Bill. Like no one else ever has. And truth is, I couldn't expect better. You know, given my circumstances. Of course, he's no angel, I ain't saying that. More than once he's taken after me for nothing at all and I've had to knock some sense into him with a big pot. But old Bill, he, he don't hold no grudges. He'll just shake it off and say, well, that was a mighty swing, girl. <laughs> and then he'll smile. And that's when I see it. There's a touch of kindness in him that he don't often show to others. Mind you, if he did, round here they'd stick him through and toss him in a river. I mean, you don't survive in this world if you're soft. They'd eat you alive. And, you see, that's what I thought when I saw the boy Fagin brought in tonight. Oh, yeah, they're going to eat him alive. Fagin comes in every now and again, but it's usually for business. He's not much of a drinker and the girls don't even interest him. Old Fagin had rather the feel of a silk kerchief in a woman's arse. <laughs> so... I knew there's something up when he wanders in and asks me if Bill's about. He was nervous, you know. I, I could tell that. Bill had done his time with Fagin and all, but, but he was never anyone's boy, not Bill. Truth be told, Bill scared the old man then, and he scares him now. But business is business, and for the sort of business Fagin's in, there ain't no better partner than Bill Sykes. 
He'll be along soon enough, I tells him. And then I asks him, who's your friend? This is Oliver, Fagin says, smiling his smile full of teeth as black as his heart. He's just joined our little family. Say hello to Nancy, Oliver. And blowed if he don't call me Miss Nancy and bow his head. He's got laser grime on him, but you can tell there's a toff underneath. A right little gentleman, ain't he? I says. Where'd you come across him? And Fagin tells me some story about saving a boy from starvation on the street. An orphan he is. Ran away from the workhouse and has no idea how to look after himself. Well, he tells it like he's some angel patrolling the streets of London looking to help the poor and unfortunate. There's a place reserved in heaven for you, I says to him. But he misses the joke. So I ask him why he needs to see Bill. We have some business with him, Oliver and me. I don't know why, that gives me a cold shiver because I think I knows what it is. But I still ask, well, what sort of business? And Fagin leans in and he whispers, that big ass on Grosvenor Square. Well, that ass has been Bill's dream for as long as I knowed him. He'd take me for a walk sometimes and he'd stop in front of it and look up at the windows with their bright curtains. Imagine what's inside, girl. He says, there'll be jewels and silver and silk. Might even be a bit of gold. Well, that thought always makes his eyes light up. I tells him, you'd never get into an house like that, Bill. The locks are too heavy and them doors are thick. But he says he has a way. He just needs the right boy. One that looks like he belongs round there. One that the peelers won't give a second look at if the grime's washed off his face and he's tarted up in some fine clothes. And I looks at Oliver again. And he smiles. Oh, an innocent smile. He might be a workhouse boy, but there's plenty of boys from good families in the workhouses. Especially if their mother were a girl impressed by the bright buttons and gold trim of the uniform, who then ran away once her belly started swelling. I says, I don't think he's up for it, Fagin. You can see he has an unpleasant streak of honesty in him. And that worries Fagin. He gives Oliver the once over, up and down. And then he shakes his head. Well, we all start with that, Nancy. Life will knock it out of him. He's right, of course. If he stays here, he'll end up like the rest of us. Liars and thieves and murderers. Well, I won't have it. I ain't done much in my time that's worthwhile, I know. But I won't have that. I've seen a lot turn over the years, but most had no chance. I mean, we all come from round here, and God knows there ain't no way out of a sewer if you're born in shit. But that Oliver, he just ain't one of us. He don't belong boy like that will have family somewhere in the city. Probably living in a nice house with pretty curtains and soft beds. And that's where he should be, saying lovely to meet you to strangers and please and thank you at the table. If I can get him away from Fagin for a minute, he'll have some clues that I can follow up on. Probably some memories from his mother, you know, passed on before departing. And once I got those, 
I'll be like the peelers, stomping all over town, investigating until I find the right house. And I'll, I'll leave him at the door, and when they open it, they'll see a sweet little-faced child, probably the spitting image of their long-lost daughter. And that'll be the happy ending. Well, after that, I'll be Saint Nancy, won't I? Now there's a laugh. Saint Nancy. Still, maybe it'll be my ticket to heaven. Lord knows I ain't done much else to pay the fare. Of course, it's going to cause trouble, I know that. Not with Fagin, nah. After a grumble or two, he'll move on. He's a businessman, so he won't take it personal. But Bill... Yeah, well, Bill's different. He'll take it too hard. There's something about robbing that ass that's important to him, like it's payment for being shortchanged by the Almighty. He wants all the things they have and he don't. I know he loves me. He's the only one who ever has. But he's going to be angry. No matter what I say, he's going to belt me and probably harder than he ever has. And when he gets like that, he don't know when to stop. He froths at the mouth and he, and he screams like a madman and he's just as like to kill me and not realise he's doing it. But I can't be scared off by that. When I look at that boy's smile, I know I've just got to do the right thing and the only thing. So I'll just have to keep a pot handy, I suppose. <laughs>